going on, everyone? Welcome to Season Gaming Bitcast, episode 102. And it might help if YouTube did not play loud ads in my ear while I'm trying to talk. That's a good start. Mm. <laughs> so you've got myself, Forsha Power, Ainsley Bowden. You've got Dan Rodriguez, who uh, I guess you're representing for Bert this week. Going yeah. wet blanket. I'm going wet blanket today. All right, all right. And yep. then joining us for the first time is uh, Luke Lore, so known uh, to many as Insipid Ghost and the host of the Xbox Expansion Podcast. So Luke, awesome to finally have you on, man. It is it is a joy. Thank you for having me today. And you're getting me out of yard work. So it's a bonus for me. <laughs> Anytime we can get out of real work to talk video games is a win. So Right. All right. So um <clears throat> Luke, as we always do, uh we're gonna be talking about a lot today. We're gonna actually have a kind of big Xbox focus because of what was uh talked about for a May reveal event, but we'll be talking about Horizon Zero Dawn, Assassin's Creed, Grand Theft Auto, and a bunch of things. But before we jump into topics and kind of get the chat involved. Always like to talk to guests around, uh, kind of talking about what you do in the gaming community. So first things first, um, Xbox Expansion Pass. So you started this podcast uh, back in October. Your first episode, I just looked it up, was October seventh, and uh, in that time, you've you've gained a good following. And it's a you know you first reached out to me, I think like two weeks after you started it. Uh, is mm -hmm. when we first started talking and um, you asked for some feedback and I'm happy to report that I gave you really positive feedback at the time. <laughs> um, but no, it's it's turned into something really, really good, man, really special. So uh, congrats on that. And, um, you know, anything you want to say about that, um, you know, before we get into like your gaming history and stuff. Well, I, I appreciate you uh, offering the feedback when you did. When you start a project, it can be a little nerve-wracking and a little bit uh, worrisome. Because, you know, you make a project, and you're like, will anybody listen? Will it be good? Can of I make course. it better? And, uh, you know, since October, I've gotten to uh, – I've had the opportunity to speak with some incredible incredible people in the gaming industry, from developers to, to publishers to on-camera talent personalities, people that work with VO actors and – um, I'm happy to say that it's been super enlightening from all the people that I've spoken to. And so it's been a pleasure to have people on the show and to, to share the show with people. So thank you for giving me a chance to talk about it. Yeah, of course. No, it's fantastic, man. So love what you've done with that. And so let's talk about your gaming history then. No, you know, we were just saying before we got started live here that, you know, you play everything like most of our community does. Um, mm -hmm. But you have an Xbox kind of focus. And that's where I guess mm -hmm. you'd say your main platform. But going yeah. back, uh, how long have you been gaming? What really got you into it from the beginning? Oh, man. Uh, I So I'm 34 right now, and my first chance, Young uh, to, to <laughs> my first chance to pick up a, a controller came by way of uh, one of the Atari systems. That my parents had Star Wars, and they were just trying to find a way to keep me quiet. And they, <laughs> uh, they, they gave me the opportunity to, to play around in, in the – the game where you fight at at walkers and the ATATs flying around in a snow speeder. Oh yeah, 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 and yeah. Yeah. So the, the moment I realized I could press a button, and from there it would do something on screen, I was hooked. And we didn't have a lot of money growing up, and so I was always a system or two behind. And it wasn't until I could work on my own and save up some 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 money of my own that I was able to buy a PS One. I think was the first current system I bought. Wow. uh at the time and then from there man it was just i want to play everything i love video games i love interacting with stories that way and and seeing uh the evolution of storytelling that way i'm a teacher in my day job so i, I teach stories and so it's a, a pleasure to get to play games and have that interaction that's awesome so ps1 yeah so you're at 95 i guess um is when you first really got into it so did you ever go back and experience any of the 8-bit or 16-bit eras 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, when my friends were playing uh, the latest and greatest, I would go back and I would, I would play through uh, some of that stuff. And I will also say that like one of the best parts about back and Pat and a lot of the collections they put out is you can always, is you can go back and play things. So recently I was playing through a, a, the Genesis collection that's nice. on Xbox one. Dude, that's a Just fantastic to, collection. It, it is. And to see what the Genesis was capable of at a time when it shouldn't have been, I mean, some of the games <laughs> run a ran atrociously, but like, seeing some of the stuff they tried to do with that, that system, it's really cool as a retrospective. Yeah, no doubt. No, that's one. I was a Sega kid. We've talked about that a lot. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, the Genesis was amazing. I mean, you got to think that released in 1989 here in the U.S. And uh, mm -hmm. it's just crazy to think back, you know, what they were doing at the time. So yeah. shout out to everyone in chat. Um, it looks like, Dan, there's some kind of Burt Poser in chat who stopped by. Alden, what's up, is. man? Matt, always, uh, always a pleasure. So good to see everyone. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's get this conversation going with Chad involved then around this planned May reveal event. So I know uh, Jazz and Windows Central and a, you know a bunch of the kind of Xbox focused sites are talking about this uh, May reveal event, which is where we're supposedly going to see the Xbox Series S, um, along with uh, some new game reveals. You know, the obviously the Fable reboot is something that keeps getting brought up. Um, but I want to start with the Series S because there's a lot of chatter from people around uh, where this system's place is in the market. And so I was kind of thinking about this extensively this week. I don't know why I've got nothing else to do, I guess. Um, but kind of thinking through the hardware and what it means. And, you know, we, we know that they're kind of winding down the Xbox One X with the 299 price reduction. And it just kind of all leads to this uh, next gen duo, right, between the Series S and X. So. One of the things that I was kind of thinking about and get your guys' opinion on is, you know, we've heard from a lot of developers now on this next-gen hardware, and what about the next-gen hardware is going to make the difference in games? And we've heard overwhelmingly two things, and that's really related to the CPUs, because they're finally a, a modern CPU, uh, not the Xbox One and PS4 dated ones, and of course the SSDs, you know, the actual drive speeds and uh, throughput. So... From a Series S perspective, I know a lot of people are thinking, okay, where does this come into play? A four teraflop console is the rumor. Why would you release that? I think uh, it's going to be really interesting to see if Microsoft does like a 299 or 349 Series S that has the CPU and the SSD gains, but just doesn't have the you know 4K 60 graphical um, you know power of the Series X. So where do you guys kind of sit on these Series S rumors? Um, what do you think about the hardware? Is it something you would ever buy? Are you purely going for the best? And uh, do you think it's a good kind of market play to take the low end and the high end and kind of sandwich Sony in the middle? So, Luke, let's start with you, man. Um, I I'm of two minds about it. On the one hand, uh, I'm not a highly technical savvy guy. Like, I don't truly understand some of the intricacies of some of the tech. And so when I hear something on the, the base surface level that, oh, it's four teraflops, that means like, okay, so you're releasing a system that's weaker than what you have, uh, that's going to be cheaper than a PS5 and the Series X. Uh, I, I wonder what's the purpose is. Are you holding future games back from the Xbox market? Because it's very clear they're working to be iterative and for Xbox to be the brand in series to just be the moniker. So I, I recognize that, but I also... You know, in, in hearing far more technically prowess people, I recognize that, oh, it's a matter of efficiency, it's a matter of design, and I, I 
see that in there. I worry about it holding back the system. I also love the idea that it exists as an entry point for those who might be skeptical of the Xbox brand, for those who might be financially incapable of jumping into the highest end because not everybody has the same resources available to them. So I, I'm of two minds about it. I will will continue to reside in the fact that Microsoft has done almost everything right post 2015 in re- <laughs> right. re-steering right. that ship, right? Because they really ran it aground and it was way off course. And so if it seems like a misstep for me early on at this point, given the state of the, the world and the economies, but they've been doing a lot of stuff right. So I have to, to give that that uh, that credit where it is due and, and take some of the news with a grain of salt because right now we are we don't have a confirmed Lockhart at the moment. That's true. That's true. Dan, I know we've talked about this offline quite a bit, but what are your thoughts here um, based on what, you know, the expectations are for Series S? I, you know, obviously I'm going to go get the X because yeah. Series X. Because well, you may like, be a good example too, not to interrupt right. you, but you, you have in your family, you've got kids at home and you've got several consoles, switches and Xboxes right. and everything, right? So does the Series S make a play for a family guy like yourself? Depends on the price. So it needs to be, you know, like Bert said in chat, between two to $300, I would say lower, on the lower end of that scale. What I don't understand is it, it it's supposed to have an SSD on it, right? But it, it's it's a little bit less. Well, like I said, so the, the current X, so the rumor, so think about it this way, right? When you build your PC, the, the thing you're spending the most money on is your graphics card. Yeah. Um, that's just, you know, unless you're really high end on the CPU. But think about the Series S as being, you know, getting the CPU and the drive speed gains of next gen, but just having a lower end, smaller sock graphics card, right? That's where the price difference is going to come in. But it, it may not be capable, like I said, of 4K, 60, or we don't really know yet. Um, but imagine that you get all the gains of uh, the CPU processing. They can use all the new architecture, you know, the velocity architecture they talked about, all those integration points. You've got the IO throughputs from the SSDs. You get all those gains that the Xbox One X doesn't have. So even though the Xbox One X can do 4K, it's held back by a number of other things, right? Yeah, but, um, but, you're, but again, we're talking about uh, 1% of the fan base here. You know, I've always said that, that this is going to be, you know, this is going to appeal to more the the broader spectrum. Mass market. Of, right? Yeah, the mass market. Right. This is yeah. going to be more, you know, and I, I understand what they're doing with it. But I mean, it's it's at the same time. I, I don't know, man. It, it, if you can go buy an X right now or, you know, for a couple, you know, 250 or whatever you see it on sale for, you can buy an S and you can play all these games. There's really no reason for like the hardcore or the, the not hardcore, I'm sorry, fan base to really go out and purchase a new console you know i mean they're they're if you already have an x you mean right either or an s i mean you're gonna be able to play all these games yeah just a right i mean you can have an og xbox for god's sakes it's gonna run like <laughs> crap you know maybe but you know it's that's what people you know are gonna do and it's just if you add another skew to the, the thing that's fine if you can do it you're microsoft you got shit loads of money and you know it's fine <laughs> no problem but you know it, it's you just gotta you know I, I don't know. I don't understand why you would need this, I guess. when You, you have, sound uh, almost like Luke, where you're of two minds. You can't decide yeah. if this is a good or a bad thing. I, I, yeah, I, I don't get it. I mean, it's you've got the X now that will be able to do most of this stuff into a certain point, you know, up until, you know, what do they say, a year and a half, two years, or whatever, you know, before they start releasing games that are going to be solely on 
you know, that will only work on the X1, yeah. the Series X. Um, God, there's so many. <laughs> it, it sounds like they're pushing the scalability of games really hard. The idea of PCs right now can can go up real high and they can also drop down uh, a decent amount. It sounds like that's what they're trying to do with the brand and the console market. It yeah. just worries me. It just yeah. worries me because it's new and new is hard to do for fan bases. A lot of what they tried to do in 2013, while extremely mismanaged, was forward thinking. Uh, and it was too new for people that weren't ready. It, I mean, think about it. Apple drags their fan base kicking and screaming uh, yep. into newer things. I'm wondering if Xbox is trying to do that a bit more uh, succinctly and a bit more uh, with a bit less frustration along the way. Yeah, it very well could be. And and to Dan's point, it, it really does come down to price, right? Yeah. If you're talking about if this comes out and it's three ninety nine, the play is gone. I think. I think you have to be under the three at the three hundred dollar range. I can't really see it being a lot less than that because you're still talking about a, an expensive SSD, unless it's a cheaper drive than is in Series X. We don't know. Um, but if you're matching that CPU and and uh, drive, and the real difference is just the graphics card, then you you can't really go under that price. I mean, the Series X for the power, it's but it's already a bargain. If it comes in at four ninety nine, that's an absolute bargain of piece of hardware. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I, it's going to be really come down to, to see what the series S can produce to, to Dan's point too, is that, is it going to really demonstrate meaningful differences over an Xbox one X for someone that doesn't want to go out and buy a series X for whatever reason. Um, and I think it's, Another thing to consider, right, and I'm sure uh, Sony and Microsoft are, are thinking heavily about this, but it, just the state of the world right now. We talked about that last week, right? We don't know. Coronavirus has had a ridiculous impact on uh, the global markets, distribution, pricing, unemployment's at an all-time high, here, at least here in the U.S. Um, so are people, the mass market, going to be ready to spend five or 600 bucks on a new console this fall? Don't know. No. <laughs> I, 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 I thought it was rhetorical. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, wondering exactly. about their. I'm sorry. I'm wondering about their production because repeatedly over the past month, we have seen Microsoft and Xbox and Phil Spencer specifically double down on the idea that production is not a concern. They fully expect to launch yeah, this true. holiday, and when they're doubling and tripling down, I think that speaks to one. They've got a, a much larger market cap than Sony, so they're they can burn cash to. to prioritize their devices. Uh, similarly, it, from what I understand of the components involved, they made it a very simple setup, but also using uh, PC parts that are, are not, not solely proprietary. And because right. PlayStation has a very customized setup, it might be more difficult to assemble those parts in mass for the audience they reach. And I wonder if that doesn't actually help Sony, that Blue Ocean strategy that Nintendo employs quite often. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot to consider about how they launch later this year. Yeah, no, great points. Fantastic. Um, yeah, and and to that point, uh, in fact, I think uh, Ryan McCaffrey echoed it again on this week is that, you know, in that conversation he had with Phil Spencer a few weeks ago, Phil made it really clear that he has the backing of the CFO and, and Satya Nadella himself, you know, for uh, the pricing point on this console. There, there's, I, there's zero doubt in my mind that um, the Series X will match the PS5's price whatever it is, um, you know, even if they have to be fluid with it, uh, they're, they're going to come down to match that. So with the, you know, the higher end hardware, so kind of interesting. So 
Let's get off a of Series S then and talk about the rest of what we want to see from this May event. So a lot of rumors, you know, we're all in speculation here, but we can have a little fun with it. So talking about, you know, Playground Games' project, which is, you know, everyone really knows is heavily rumored to be a reboot of Fable. And we've seen some kind of artwork and things of that nature. Uh, we also plan to see more of Halo Infinite. Uh, there was a supposed leak this week, but I've heard from good people that I trust that that leak of Halo Infinite is fake. So we're not going to really talk about those things. Um, but I wanted to ask you guys. So in terms of Fable, if Fable is truly being rebooted, let's start there. What would you want to see from that game? Because if you think back to Fable, we're going back a long way now, right? Original Xbox on the original uh, Fable. And then uh, Fable 2 sh shortly into the 360s lifespan. And it's been a long time since that IP has been around. We're going to forget about Fable Legends uh, while we're talking here. Um, but the Western RPG has matured a lot in that time. Um, you know, Witcher 3 is the gold standard. We talk about that game, I think, every week here. Um, but you've got things like where Assassin's Creed has gone, right, with Origins and Odyssey and turned those into big Western kind of uh, open world RPGs. And we'll talk about the new Assassin's Creed here shortly. But what, in an ideal world, what would you guys want to see out of a new fable? Everything. <laughs> I mean, here, here's the thing. Here, here's the thing that I've said a hundred times. These companies, especially with an IP this old, all right, everything before them is basically laid out and they know what works, right? And then, you know, you have games like Crackdown 3 that comes out and it's just like, well, you guys could have done that way, way better. And there's all these games that, you know, you could have just taken cues from, right? And they need to do that with this. There's, you know, good things about The Witcher 3. There's good things about, say, like Dragon Age, Inquisition, you know, but you, you, you can sit there Dragon. and pick what you want from all these games and make like this uber awesome Western RPG that, you know, in the Fable universe, you know, so that's going to be kind of, I, I just as well just say, you know, the whole reboot, you know, the whole, just start fresh, you know, carry over a few things here and there, you know, kind of like God of War did, you know, where, okay. like, hey, this is, you know, we're going to completely reimagine this thing. And they, they were certainly successful at it. Hell yeah, they were. It was amazing. <laughs> so, you know, that, that's what I want to see from Fable. Um, it, it's, will we get it? Who knows? Playground Games is awesome, though. I'm not going to say anything bad about them. They're, they're amazing. Super talented. Amazing. Yeah. I'm inclined to agree. Uh, they need a full reboot. It needs to be a fully new approach. As wonderful as the Fable games initially were for those fan bases, they are very dated if you go back and, and mess around yeah. with those remasters. And every single time, they fell short of what was promised. Uh, and you, there's a lot of humor involved with that because of Peter Molyneux's approach to it and, and exaggerant tones. But uh, they do need to blow it up and start fresh and maybe have some homages to it. I think something Breath of the Wild did very well for anyone that, that investigated that game. You could go around the world in Breath of the Wild and you would see things and be like, is that the Sky Temple from Skyward Sword? Is that this temple from this game? But it wasn't overtly said and it didn't matter to the story. Uh, God of War did similar things like this, kind of paying tribute and homage, but being a new brand and new approach. And as you said, that genre has matured. Uh, and I'd like to think they are acutely aware of their serious AAA failings uh, and successes. They've done a great job at supporting some of the games that came out in AA fashion and then rising them up. Sea of Thieves recovered quite well in a way that I didn't like Sea of Thieves at all when it first launched. Uh, with the anniversary update and the subsequent updates, it, they have, I have a signed poster by the developers on my wall of it. Nice. I really enjoyed it. 
Um, State of Decay, kind of the same process. So I think they need a full reboot, capitalize on what people want from an RPG, an action RPG, uh, and deliver on some of the things that might have failed before, and then decide, I'm sure they've already done this, but decide whether it's single-player focused, single-player focused with multiplayer elements, or it's a fully co-op game, because those will play a lot into the community respect for the franchise and the criticisms that they have of their catalog. That's uh, that's a good point, Luke. I, I actually hadn't even considered that they would go down a co-op or multiplayer route, right? I, I had it stuck in my mind that whatever they're building is going to be a purely single-player experience, but who knows, right? Um, in fact, we're going to talk here shortly around Horizon Zero Dawn and what's rumored for part two of that, which uh, they're talking about co-op as well. But yeah, I think uh, even the guys in chat are saying the same thing. You know, Bert's in there. Um, uh, Lunch Bizzle, what's up, guys? Uh, thanks for joining. And uh, yeah, he'd love to see uh, a more modern, less cartoony graphics fable, but with more RPG elements as well. And I, I completely agree. Something that pays homage to your point around the it's got the British humor, right? It's got that kind of fantasy element to it, but that is also uh, realistic in a sense in terms of graphics and deep RPG elements is what I'm hoping for. Um, maybe not as deep as something like, uh, you know, Divinity or Original Sin to something like that, but um, at least uh, really story driven. Um, and of course, loot. I got to mention loot. So Mike, welcome, man. Good to see Mike from NLG in here. <clears throat> All right. Um, so one question I wanted to ask you guys then. So looking back, actually, before I get there, before I get there, I wanted to run through and talk about uh, what is coming for Xbox this year, because I think we're talking about events and people are saying, I want to hear about new games. And I went back to an article I wrote a couple months ago around Xbox first or second party output for 2020. And there's a lot of games that are coming, maybe not AAA big budget games, but a lot of games that I think people are forgetting about. So we've got Minecraft Dungeons here in what, three weeks, four weeks, right, coming out officially. Um, but then the rest of the year, there's a lot of things that have been talked about that are coming that um, I think, like I said, people are forgetting. So you've got Wasteland 3. You've got Battletoads coming at some point. Um, we still need to see the Cuphead DLC, right? The expansion, Delicious Last Course. Gears Tactics releases in just a few days. Can't wait. Uh, you've got Flight Simulator, which is, you know, in testing on PC now, eventually coming to Xbox. Halo Infinite. Tell Me Why is a... Uh, you know, from Don't Nod, Life is Strange developer coming. Psychonauts 2, uh, obviously a new Forza Motorsport. You've got Grounded. Don't forget that Crossfire X is coming, the multiplayer um, game uh, out of China uh, from Smilegate. And then Remedy is making a first, um, excuse me, single player component to that game as well. And then you've got Session, which is a skateboarding time <clears throat> along with Skater XL. So... All of these games were announced, you know, months ago at E3 or somewhere else and uh, and are already coming. But in terms of what you would like to see from Xbox uh, and their category, if you had to pick one of their IPs to return, and it can be Fable if that's your top one, um, what would you like to see return the most? Go ahead, Luke. Uh, it, it's, I, I feel a bit strange because I recognize all of their failings in their catalog and all the places they've fallen short with their yeah. uh, double and, and in single and double A offerings. Uh, they certainly need more triple A stuff, but I don't have much affinity for the, the stuff that we haven't seen from them. I really do like Gears and Halo and I enjoy State of Decay <laughs> and Thief of Thieves, you know, to, to, their, to their moderate, uh, you know, critical successes. But I think Fable is the right answer. Uh, if it's done well. And I think at the end of the day, most gamers just want good games, regardless of what the title is. 
And so mm-hmm. I, I'm excited to see Fable. I think the Forza Horizon series does well. I mean, they can go back into some of their catalog, but they do not have the legacy that some other uh, first-party publishers have. Nintendo and Sony have great first-party publishers by simple fact of being around longer. And so uh, it's either new stuff or bringing something like Fable back because it's important to the fan base that's there. Uh, the, the one that we don't talk about often enough that would, I'd love to see is Crimson Skies. I think that would be a great game yes. to come back. I mean, that was just a, such a beloved cult classic that has only gained following and mind share every time it's kind of brought up a little bit here and there. And so maybe that's the answer to the question. Okay. Yeah, Crimson Skies is a fantastic game, man. I have fond memories of playing that game on uh, the original Xbox Live, you know, back on the OG. Dan, what do you want to see, man? Is it Fable? I mean, it's pretty much Fable. I mean, okay. I, I, you go back and I can't really think of a whole lot of like their original IPs. Mech Assault would be awesome. Yep. They could, Another great one. I mean, yeah, that was... I remember back in the day, I, w- I was in Chicago and they had like this was Mech Warrior though, but they had like these pods that you could go into. And ever since then, I've been wanting some kind of cool mech game. Um, it, I, that one, Crimson Skies would be good, um, but there's not a whole lot that I can really think of that I would like to see back aside from Fable. Um, that I've been yelling for that for years though. So, <laughs> and you stay mech. That's that was Phil Spencer's que- uh, answer to that question as well. When Ryan McCaffrey asked him some weeks yeah. ago, he said, Yo, What do yeah. you want to see from mech? And he did say mech assault. So. Oh, yeah, 100%. I would love to see that back. Um, but you know, at, at this point, to your point, I, Luke, I'd like to see some new IPs too. I'd like to see some new stuff, you know, come out and you know, like just wow people like you know horizon zero dawn did for playstation where it's just like yeah. well that came out of nowhere you know and it just was amazing you know so yeah. that's what that's what xbox needs to do this next generation they've got the studios um but you know and we, we know like hellblade 2 is coming and stuff like but we just you know i want more confirmation of these games i want to see some cool new stuff and that's not no offense to the Xbox guys, but Battletoads, I can give a sure. crap less, you know, <laughs> about some kind of, you know, it, it just, I just don't care. Um, I want good, long, meaty games. Mm-hmm. That's not super, super bad. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm surprised <laughs> to hear you say Mech Assault because that's a, that was a core multiplayer game. Yeah, but but that that was back when I actually was good at multiplayer. (laughs) That that, that wouldn't be a bad deal. But yeah, I mean, all the other, you know, the ones that you mentioned, a lot of them are, you know, heavily multiplayer games. Not just that doesn't really appeal to me, I guess, just because of how I play games. Um, But let's just shoot for Fable and call it good. (laughs) I think Dizzy Dizzy said it would be really funny if they come out and it is a brand new IP, right? It's not Fable. I'll I'll do it. I'll play ground. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Ains, the, the, a lot of the, the games that you mentioned are not exclusive to Xbox. Wasteland and Minecraft Dungeons yeah. are both coming to multi-platform, including PlayStation. Which Dungeons, too, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great uh, choice right now. Not only is Xbox pushing to have their content and their, their uh, games on PC platforms and be accessible to those audiences, Steam... Uh, I would imagine we see them uh, on GOG at some point. They seem to be very close with CD Projekt Red. But uh, there's they're working to get their brands other places. Putting Ori on the Switch and Cuphead on the Switch meant that people were seeing Xbox Game Studios or, oh, this game was on Xbox. And that's important to winning back Mindshare after a generation of being uh, trounced two to one in terms of console sales to PlayStation. 
so I think it's it's neat to see them supporting the, the games that they purchased when they got the studios and slowly making their way. I mean, Dan said it, Hellblade 2, goodness gracious, that's <laughs> one of the coolest trailers of all yeah. time. The yeah, no doubt. The crowd, special. Yep. Uh, I We're big, big Hellblade fans here. All of us were, including Bird. And uh, yeah, I, I simply cannot wait for that game. Of course, um, no, it's a good point. And I think, uh, you know, I liked Phil's response a couple weeks ago too when he talked about just that, Orion Cuphead being on the Switch and saying that, you know, it's good and we need to be very clear with our fan base what games of ours are going to be elsewhere and not just on the Xbox and PC platform, right? And of course, uh, I can't leave this segment without me giving a shout out to Banjo. God damn it. Excuse my language. We need to see Banjo 3, a true Banjo 3. Um, I'm one of those guys. I adore the Banjo games, and uh, I've talked about it at length. So I hope if any of the uh, old rare IPs are being brought back, we see Banjo. Do you think you'll get it? Because Battletoads is, is, was outsourced to Delala, and I, I think people are frustrated. I played it. it was, I enjoyed it, but like Dan said, it's, it's like, all right, that's, that's probably Game Pass filler. That's it's not, a fun Game Pass not, game, right? Yeah, right, yeah, it's not the game. You know, do you think they would make it themselves or would they send Banjo to, to somebody else kind of a second party approach? I don't know. It hurts me to even think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, buddy. The first two games are just so good. They're some of the best platforming games of all time. Yeah. And I just, it's a shame, man. And they're loved characters. I mean, look what happened when they added them in Smash. You know, it was a huge thing. People went nuts for it. So anyway, we'll, we'll get off of that. So uh, and just a side note here, uh, speaking of Game Pass, is Red Dead 2 on Game Pass on May 7th. Big, big acquisition for them. Um, really interesting to see Grand Theft Auto 5 and now uh, Red Dead 2 coming on May 7th and Phil thanking Rockstar for the support. So don't know, of course, what that means in the future, but um, really cool to see. And uh, Dan and I could probably preach all day about the greatness of Red Dead 2. But uh, we've done that a million times, so we'll save the audience that today. Although, Luke, I have to ask, are you a Red Dead 2 fan or not really? So I've never played Red Dead 2. I got the Redeemer achievement in Red Dead 1. I played all through Undead Nightmare as well. I loved awesome. Red Dead, but yeah. the slow pacing and the critical reception to Red Dead 2 and the timing, I was playing other things at the time. Yep. I didn't get into it. I, I'm yep. hesitant. I don't want to brush my horse. Like It's just excessive <laughs> uh, nature there. So I, I will absolutely try it now that it's on Game Pass, but I was not going to fork down 40 or $60 at the time gotcha. uh, to try it. But... It, it is neat to see Rockstar cozying up to Game Pass as a platform. I think it could be a launching point to launch GTA Online Solo into that platform or Red Dead Online Solo later on because they were in PS Now and then they left. They were, they we're seeing them rotate GTA out. So there's a lot of ideas there. But Red Dead uh, is a special franchise. It, I don't think it had the reception they wanted it to, um, but it's still making money for them, and that's the kicker there. That's yeah, the it was in uh, it was in the MPD again this month, still selling. So it's over thirty million or something like that. Yeah. All right. So we we talked about Horizon Zero Dawn. So I wanted to talk about that because a report came out of VGC this week that several sources have told them that um, you know we already knew Horizon Zero Dawn two was in development. It should have been obvious that it's going to be on the PS five. Um, the scope of it is said to be gigantic, bigger than the first game. Uh, and also said to be co-op, um, but they also mentioned this becoming a trilogy. And if you think about Herman Holst, who used to be the head of Guerrilla Games, leading the uh, you know the development of the original Horizon Zero Dawn when they went off of um, Killzone, he's now the head of Sony Worldwide Studios. So it it's, should come as little surprise with as successful as Horizon Zero Dawn 1 was on the PS4, selling over 10 million copies, now going to PC, as we know. 
Uh, it's going to be one of the core IPs, I think, for Sony and the PS5 next gen. But uh, really interesting to hear that they're already planning for it to be a trilogy. And uh, trying to picture what that game looks like with co-op. I, I kind of think that um, playing co-op in that world, especially taking down some of the bigger creatures with a friend, could be really, really fun. So, Dan, I obviously know that, you know, you're a big HDD fan. We talk about that a lot. Um, what do you think of this news? You, you down for the co-op? Obviously down for the bigger, kind of better game on PS5, I'm sure. But Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, no, I can care less about co-op. <laughs> <laughs> it's either going to be, you know, I'm sure it won't be like a way out co-op. But, you know, I, I just don't see a reasoning for it, I guess. I mean, I, like I said, I'm just a huge single player guy. So I'm going to play most of that stuff by myself. Um, and, you know, I guess it's a nice option. You know, that's fine. You know, I just don't want, I when they add all these kind of things into like the development and like, you know, just tack on stuff. And, you know, I, I just feel like the, the, the base game suffers. Okay. You know, and that's, that. they don't need to do it. I mean. You think they're going to lose focus on what made it great? Yeah, just make a good Horizon Zero Dawn game. It was one of is, I bought a PlayStation to play that game, you okay. know, and, and MLB. But both of them. We'll forgive you for that piece. Right. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> everyone like for like four years. <laughs> but anyway, it's it's a uh, it's. I don't know, man. I, I I'm I'm all down for a new HCD, HCD, but I just don't know about the co-op aspect if it's really necessary. You know, I mean, I'm sure they could pull it off to where you know they're a great studio again. Um, but it, it doesn't really, you really need it is my question. You know, okay. that's, that's, that's the biggest thing. Okay. Luke, did you play uh, Horizon Zero Dawn? I, I did. Um, I, I wasn't, I did, it launched around the same time as Breath of the Wild. And I think I got more into that at the time, gotcha. uh, but that's, a, it's a world ripe for exploration. And if you look at it from a, from a, a pulled back scale sense, it looks like Horizon Zero Dawn is going to be replacing Uncharted as one of their pillar franchises for uh, the time being, yeah, which is a point. wise thing to, to give it a break. Uh, I would I would look at this news from a couple perspectives. First, we have seen Sony making adjustments to their business strategy and something Microsoft has done well uh, not selling units, but still making money was making uh, some of their single player games or games that could be played single player available to co-op or available to to having uh, multiple people join the session kind of thing and it's quite possible we see them take a note out of that pay, uh, playbook and have a single player focused franchise trilogy and then maybe a spin-off uh, or a secondary mode because i think monster hunter world probably taught them that taking down giant beasts together can be very fun, can be very profitable. You could create a second experience that doesn't cost Dan his single player narrative, but yeah. still provides some of that gameplay for people that want the loop. Um, and we've also seen Sony adjusting their business strategy. I mean, in a couple of ways, MLB probably pulled some strings. Uh, baseball, the MLB franchise pulled them some strings, but now we're seeing them branch into other platforms as well. So they're trying to find ways to be more profitable outside of buy console, sell game, because that doesn't always bring in as many dollars as we as gamers might think on, on some occasions. No, that's an interesting point. It'd be, you know, I think HZ, HZD, like you said, is going to be a pillar franchise for PlayStation, right? So it'll have the capability to be more than just a, a single player game every four years or whatever, if they wanted to, right? Just like they did with Uncharted. You had Uncharted, you know, um, Lost, Lost Legacy. Legacy, you had the, yeah, yeah. the, the golden... Um, why am I forgetting the Vita? Golden Abyss? Is that what it was? Yeah. 
Which okay. was a great game, except when you had to hold it up to the light. I loved that Vita game. <laughs> they tried to incorporate all the Vita stuff, you know, and yeah. it, it kind of took away from it. But the game itself was fun, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and funny enough, that was Ben's studio who made Days Gone that did the uh, Golden Abyss. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm super excited about this. I've said before, I think if you look at the major IPs and first parties for uh, Sony, I think Horizon Zero Dawn 2 will be the game we see first before Spider-Man 2, before... Um, uh, God of War 2. Um, so I'm super excited about it. I just, that game is so incredibly gorgeous, even on a PS4 Pro today, that just imagining what they can do on the PS5, it already has me just excited. Definitely not yeah. wet blanket on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man, I think, Spider-Man 2, I agree with you, is going to be further out. And they're also going to have to time it to stagger Spider-Man content with Into the Spider-Verse 2 and uh, the third Spider-Man Marvel MCU movie. And I think that's going to be, they want to keep the franchise relevant, but not exhaust it. So they're probably going to be balancing those things uh, for mm. release dates, especially as they push due to C-Virus, you know? Yeah, that's true. Um, and Dan, I know, Dan, you're massive, massive Spider-Man fan all, all around, oh, yeah. right, of the character. So, yeah, I'm sure you'd be okay with seeing that game and movie release and everything all at the same time. You'd be in Spider-Man Overload. Yeah, I mean, I'm literally playing Spider-Man again. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, last week I played through the whole campaign again. So now nice. I'm on the DLC. It's just that game to me was probably one of the best last year or the year before, I guess it was. Um, it was it was so good. Um, and I'm, like being a Spider-Man fan, it just kind of. They seem to strike the right chord with Spider-Man fans. Yes. You know, they, they seem yeah. to really do it well for them. Yeah, they, they made it just, you know, a little bit. The universe that they created was familiar enough for longtime fans, but also, you know, different enough to bring in a whole new audience, I think. So they, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. That's why it sold the way it has. Yeah. So let's, uh, we're going to jump over to Assassin's Creed. So there's been a lot, uh, you know, Ubisoft games, they tend to leak pretty heavily here and there. Um, so we've heard a lot already about this new Assassin's Creed that's coming later this year. And, and without a doubt, this game's going to launch, in, in my mind anyway, because uh, Ubisoft will not miss the opportunity to launch with the new consoles. Um, so we're, they're tentatively calling this one uh, Valhalla now. Uh, it was uh, said to not be named Kingdom, which was the prior rumor. But a, a few kind of notes on it came out this week that I wanted to touch on is uh, the Hidden Blade Returns. I know a lot of people in Origins and um, Odyssey were... You know, really wanting that more assassiny, you know, kind of going back to more of the original gameplay. So that's supposed to return. Uh, we've heard this multiple times now is that it's going to feature an abundance of supernatural content. So they kind of dabbled with that in, in the past two, right? In Odyssey, um, there, I think some of the most fun aspects of that game were the supernatural pieces, in my opinion. Um, so this is actually really cool to see. And if you remember the prior thing we heard from a developer on this is that they were studying some of the missions in The Witcher 3. Uh, to going in uh, lore, kind of Viking lore and, you know, mythology type things. So that could be really interesting. Uh, They said it's going to continue to be a full-blown RPG and even deeper than Odyssey, which uh, that's a big statement because Odyssey is a massive, massive game. Takes place in Scandinavia, but there'll be other regions in the game as well. And again, uh, the main protagonist is primarily female, but you can choose to be male as well, kind of like what we saw in Odyssey. So... Uh, I know Odyssey for you and I, Dan, was one of our favorite games of, was it 2017? 
can't remember. Who the hell knows? Yeah, 2018, I don't know. 18. Yeah, fantastic game, though, through and through. Uh, there are some things I, I found repetitive about it. Some of the world felt a little empty at times. But regardless, excellent game. So, Luke, um, you uh, Assassin's Creed fan franchise. Did you play Origins Odyssey? You looking forward to this? Uh, I would say I'm a casual Assassin's Creed fan. I did play th- all the way through Origins. I played quite a bit of Odyssey. Black Flag is one of my favorite games. Okay. Uh, in the franchise and then i think there's some some heavy misses with assassin's creed as well gotcha so gotcha. when i when i hear stuff like this i get i'm excited because i as long as they don't go to present day i'm a happy camper that's i think the weakest part of all the assassin's Creed. <laughs> i agree games. i completely uh, agree and when they lean into what makes assassin's creed special i'm a happy camper as well because uh the supernatural elements so, have more recently been fitting in quite nicely uh, I think with with Origins and Odyssey, uh, especially, but branching away from sort of the rigid ideas of Eden and some of the things they want to do in the, that story and just letting it be its own thing, I think worked very well for Black Flag, uh, and I think worked very well for Origins. And so I would like to see that happen. I'm surprised that Kingdom wasn't Saudi Arabia. I would have I would have thought that would have happened, but <laughs> but I love right. the idea of Valhalla. Like I dig that. I think we've seen a, a nice resurgence of Norse mythology rising up in in mindshare for uh, a lot of people thanks to the Marvel universes. Uh, but it's a cool concept, and the idea that you'd be carrying very different type weapons in Scandinavia than you would have in any of the other Assassin's Creed games. Very heavy uh, sure. type weaponry, you know, yeah. a, a different type of traversal. So that's what that, that is an exciting rumor to look at. I think. Yeah we'll, see. yeah, we'll see where it goes, right? I mean, it's to your point, Lou. I mean, I, I think with the resurgence of that Norse mythology, you know, kind of deal, it, it's it's almost this will probably be pushing my limits between God of War and Hellblade. And yeah, we're getting a lot of it, aren't we? <laughs> we're getting a lot. So, yeah. but I'm also been an Assassin's Creed fan since the first one. I've played all of them um, to some extent. Um, and I want to see what they can do, you know, and it's just the thing with Assassin's Creed games, they're always the same, you know, go to the tower, jump off the tower. <laughs> the best part about this whole thing is the hidden blade. The fact that they took that out of the last game, I, I, it just blew my mind because that's that was Assassin's Creed to me. It was always, you know, walking up behind somebody and then it's kind of in the title. Right. That's kind of what the whole point of the game was, for me anyway. Um, and it just felt a lot less assassiny and more, you know, I don't know what the word is, just warrior. It was, a, it was more of an action RPG. Than right, yeah, but it was still, still good. Yeah, You know, I loved getting on the boats, and, you know, they did a really good job with that without making it too, you know, without disting, in, disting themselves from the main, the core mechanics of the game, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll see what they can do. Um, I love Ubisoft games, even though they're all pretty much the same thing <laughs> over and over again. But you know, there's there's a certain you know comfort in just the reliability. You know what you're going to kind of get, so it's just like okay, yeah, you, you know, I, I know what's going to come here. But Is that, yeah. that Ubisofty pillow, oh, yeah. blanket. It, it, yeah, it's a nice warm blanket. Familiarity, uh, <laughs> so I'll take it. It's true, though. I agree with you. You, you do know what you're going to get, and, and they do have an addictive game loop, right? They're, they keep you playing. Um, there's just something about them. Yep. Um, you know. Whereas I think Assassin's Creed's been pretty good at kind of broadening their scope 
Whereas something like Far Cry, I think, really needs a rethink at this point. But that's a whole other topic. Um, but no, I'm super excited for this. Love, love just the Viking setting, Scandinavian setting. Um, they're talking about being a, a more full-blown RPG. So if you get deeper kind of skill trees, you know, deeper loot, uh, I'm all in on this. Um, and as we saw with, I think it was Origins. Um, I know Origins launched way back when, or, you know, several years ago now, but um, Odyssey, you know, if you look at that game on the Xbox One X, it's absolutely gorgeous. Probably one of the prettiest games out there. So thinking about what Ubisoft can do with the PS5 and Series X will be uh, probably stunning, I'm sure. Ains, I got to tell you, man, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, that was the first game on the PS4, because I was a PS4 guy at the start of the generation. Yeah, it was a cross-gen game, game, because they made it for both. It was. Yeah. Uh, I know, well, Rogue was on... You know what? I'm not actually sure top top of my head, but I will tell you that <laughs> it was the first next gen feeling game at the time, okay. and I I lo- it was just gorgeous and, and stunning. Um, but mechanically, the, there was a difference between Origins and Odyssey that really bugged me about some Ubisoft games do this, some don't, and that's level scaling. Mm-hmm. I like being very OP at the end of Origins, and in Odyssey, I couldn't be OP. Yeah. They, they would scale the enemies. And some people love that. And I'm curious to see whatever they do in their next project, wherever it is, if they keep the the level scaling mechanic as a, a pillar in, in their design philosophy. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because if you follow Witcher 3, I know, like I said, we talk about this game every time, but they added that feature to Witcher 3 about a year after release, and it's you can turn it on or off. So if you want to be the guy who's a level 50 in Witcher 3 and overpowered and just wrecking everyone, you can. But if you're someone who likes the challenge where no matter where you go, the enemies are your level, you can turn that on, which I do. Um, but it doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't Ubisoft just give you the option? You know, mm, Like you said, point. you don't like it. I do like it. Just give us the option. That way we can play the game we want to play it doesn't doesn't seem that difficult so especially for a game as big as that right gotcha all right so i want to talk about grand theft auto um because we heard some stuff uh out of rockstar last week and i know they talked about this on um on uh ign's xbox podcast as well and that is about uh the size and scope of grand theft auto 6 so we obviously know Grand Theft Auto 6 is coming. Uh, you know, Rockstar has talked at length around their development cycles and how long they are, you know, to get games out. We look at Red Dead 2, for example, and that giant worldwide, you know, wealth of studios that they use to get those games done because they're so massive. So there's been a conversation with uh, Rockstar around crunch and, you know, the way they treat their developers. And it seems to be a big topic across the industry right now, right? And uh, I know, Bert, uh, not Bert, I'm looking at the name, Dan's favorite uh <laughs> Dan's favorite guy, Jason Schreier, you know, likes to talk about crunch quite a lot. Um, <clears throat> crunch. But what we're hearing is that Rockstar is making a lot of changes to their leadership model and how they develop these games. And what it may lead to is Grand Theft Auto 6 releasing in a smaller state. So not as huge, you know, scope as Red Dead Redemption 2 and maybe Grand Theft Auto 5 but releasing in a moderate size and then releasing expansions uh, to the single player content as well over time. Obviously Grand Theft Auto Online is its own thing and you know we'll put that to the side. But wanted to hear from you guys, You know, if you hear about um, Grand Theft Auto 6 and it obviously will be one of the biggest games in the world, Grand Theft Auto 5 is seven years old and still top 10 in MPD every month, which just is mind boggling at this point. But would you be okay or would you you know, like it if they release Grand Theft Auto 6 a year or two earlier on a smaller scale and then just kept 
continuing to release expansions for it? Or do you really love it like Red Dead 2 where you drop in and you've got a, a world that you can sink two, 300 hours into right out of the gate at your own pace? Go ahead, Luke. Um, I'm all for the culture changes and putting out stuff uh, a little bit sooner and at a smaller scale. One of the things I think Rockstar, is, I think it's the Hauser brothers before, before Dan Hauser left, rather, I should say. Uh, they were picky to a fault and we got these elite high caliber games that were wonderful experiences uh, but it's there's so much time in between their releases and it seems to me that we're gonna have a decade between five and six as launch i i don't subscribe to that i'd rather have a like like star wars is a good example i would rather have fallen order two sooner rather than worrying about that little bit of, of, of graphical animation for the leaf of, as I walk by it. And so I would like to, <laughs> to subscribe uh, to, to that same mantra. I also think that that's a good financial endeavor for studios, not just of Rockstar's caliber, but of any caliber, to give us a, give gamers a game. And then those who are interested are able to, to dive in, support, and then can re-up and continue purchasing or or, or exploring content free updates are important within that because they build mind share but i think it's a good economical endeavor to have a good you know 30 30 hour game experience and then drop content in there we've seen it be very successful to my surprise i might add uh, in a number of games that are not related to rockstar so i'm all for for more games at a, at a faster release rate than what rockstar does um, I'm also for reducing the amount of crunch by way of efficiency and by culture uh, in a studio. So that's that's how I tend to to view this kind of thing. Uh, I don't need to brush the horse, Rockstar. Leave our horse alone, Luke. Leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I, I tend to approach that. <laughs> no, that's fair. What, what do you think? Damn it, I keep going to call you Bert. Change your name. I can't. I gotta wait till I log out. What do you think? Um, <laughs> just call me Bert the whole time. Um, so here, here's the thing. I don't think they need to, because like you guys said, still one of the top ten selling games. You know, however long it's been, thirty years after it released. You know, right? And they can continue to, and they still do continue to add stuff to GTA Online right now. Yeah. So they've got obviously a team working over there doing that constantly they can take their time with uh, gta 6 if they really want to um because i don't see gta line right now slowing down at all and as far They'll as just like, carry it over right yeah and as far as like a single player aspect of gta i mean i don't know like so right now i'm playing final fantasy 7 remake and i'm afraid right. i'm gonna get to the end of it and be like damn it you know i i, I know there's more to it you know and i'm gonna be then having to wait probably 30 years for the second iteration <laughs> of that one. Um, so I'm, I'm impatient, you know, when like Telltale releases their games episodic when they did. Um, uh, I, at first I would play it, you know, as soon as it came out. But then about halfway through their run of games, I kind of just waited and just played it all the way through. So I, because I forget, I'm, you know, I'm old. I, you know, <laughs> I go to sleep. And then I forget whatever happened the next day because that's how it should be. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what I have for breakfast again. But, you know, it, it's just, it, I, I don't have, I, I can't process, you know, I played, I think it was uh, the last Walking, not the Walking Dead, yeah, the Walking Dead one. And, you know, by the time they all came out, you know, 
with all the telltale stuff that happened, I, I was able to play through them all at one time, you know, yeah. and remember everything that happened, you know, and, and, you know, with, with the game as big as GTA, I mean, yeah, I mean, to get, you know, like you said, Luke, for a financial model, yeah, sure, it makes sense. As long as they put it in there, you know, they say, okay, this is a $60 game, not like Final Fantasy is doing, and you're going to you're gonna get it all, you're just going to get it all over time. You know, I mean, that's fine, I guess. You know, I mean, I can choose not to play it, you know, until later on. But, you know, it's that's just my mindset, I guess. It's, it's, I just don't think they have to right now. I think they, no, they well, Rockstar doesn't have to do anything. Yeah, no, they're they, printing they, money as we speak. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I think, uh, you know, going back to Grand Theft Auto 5, I think the, the question would be is how big would Grand Theft Auto 6 be? As long as it's a big, complete experience and then the, uh, expansions are optional, right? With Final Fantasy 7 Remake, you're getting only part of a game. Right you know, a game that's already been made, this would be different. I would I would think that Grand Theft Auto 6 would be a complete experience and then there'd be additional stories to tell, right? They were supposed to do that, if you remember, for Grand Theft Auto 5. It was supposed to have single-player DLC. Yeah. Um, but I, I think was, GTA Online... Go ahead. I was just very interested in that because I much prefer narratives in yeah, a number yeah. of my games and even the multiplayer games. I tend to play those single-player more often than not. So I was bummed when the single player DLC didn't happen, and I did not do the subsequent rebuys on per system and multiple playthroughs because I I wanted story, and they yeah. stopped adding story. Now, got hats off to them. The story they put in there was meaty; it had a lot of options. You could do a, a huge thing. game. Oh, yeah. absolutely. So I'm not taking away from that, but I was looking forward to more story. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm with you. Yep, completely agree. So as long as it's a complete experience, I'm okay with that. But I. To your point, Dan, I would hate to see it become not necessarily episodic, but reminiscent of something that's episodic, right? right? Yep. So we'll see. Um, I think you said it, Luke. This game is not coming out anytime soon. Um, I think we've got at least a few years yet. Um, They even said it's early in development, which kind of is mind boggling if you think about it, right? Um, The the time they spent on Red Dead Redemption 2 to get that out. But Red Dead Dead Redemption 2 is a year and a half old now. And you got to figure that a lot of the team their piece of development had been done well before that. So it's kind of weird to hear that Grand Theft Auto 6 is in uh, early in development uh, now. That's Mm -hmm. strange to me. But uh, the one interesting thing I was thinking about Grand Theft Auto is they've always had commentary on society, right? That's one of the great things about Grand Theft Auto is is the way they kind of mock everyone in society. It's no holds barred. Um, And if you think about what the world is going through right now and what has changed since Grand Theft Auto 5 release in 2013, um god the 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 potential for rockstar to just go crazy with grand theft auto 6 is uh is uh massive i don't know the word i'm looking for but it's it's big massive (laughs) all right so let's uh let's touch on uh real quick uh, the march npd because i thought this was interesting so we know that gaming sales are up video games are kind of hotter than ever right now because of everyone just being in their house and being told to stay in and play video games which uh you know, I'm not really complaining too much about it. I like it. Um, but we saw in the March MPD that uh, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One both saw sales increase uh, both year over year and on the prior month. But the mo- more interesting thing is that uh, the Switch broke records and so did Animal Crossing. So just for reference and just for a laugh, I figure we talk about Animal Crossing in a couple weeks has sold over 10 million copies. And that is, remember, just on a single on a single switch, it's exclusive, right? And the switch, according to the guys at MPD, uh, sold more consoles in March than any other console since the MPD started tracking for any month, all time. 
Gross. So if you think about PS4 launch, um, Switch launch, uh, you know, holiday sales when those units uh, sell over a million per month, right? As you go through October, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Switch sold more in March than any console of all time. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, it, well, it, I mean, they're directly related, right? I mean, especially since you have to, you can only have one island per Switch. So on <laughs> you, you get a, you get to get on your, yeah. uh, sorry, so let's, let's hear it. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> All right. That, that's just Nintendo being Nintendo. You know, you eventually you kind of get used to just getting punched in the face by them over and over <laughs> and over again. It's just super frustrating that they can pull that off. And while people will complain, they, they just kind of sit there and just like, yeah, that's what we do. Well, yeah, but see, you're a perfect example. You still own three Switches and three copies of Animal Crossing, right? right? And guess what? I don't get to play it because my kids do. All right? I got three boys, and they all have their own island on my Switches. So, you know, I could just maybe grab one and just say, hey, you know, I understand buying, like, another game. It's like, okay, I got to buy two copies of this game. Yeah. No, it doesn't work. It's the dumbest stuff. Yeah, so Luke, if you weren't aware what he's talking about, right? If if you have Animal Crossing in your Switch, right, you can only have one island. So not like normal games where you can have a profile and Dan can sign on and play his island and his son can sign on. You can only have one island on a Switch console. It's terrible. That that is so quintessentially Nintendo. They get a pass for things. Nintendo gets a pass for things that that is mind-boggling. I love my Switch. I absolutely adore it. But goodness gracious, some of the things that we just were cool with Nintendo, not not cloud saves, psh, whatever. Nah. Hey, five bucks, sort of a cloud save, nah, whatever. <laughs> it's so weird how we as gamers will we would we would lose it if Sony had some of the same policies. True. And yet we're cool with we're cool with it if it's Nintendo. And it's just funny that that speaks to legacy. But that's wild. Just let it be a profile specific thing. That's what anybody would do. That's uh, what any game shows- has been for years now. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, wild, wild. But but two switches are in my household right now. One's my wife's, <laughs> and that never gets used ever. I bought her every cool game possible. Yeah, whatever. I love my switch. I don't want to sell it. Like I, I, we could black market that thing right now and get money for it. Absolutely good. Well, here's the other thing. You know, with the, you know, this shows me. I mean, what like over half of those right is, is digital sales. Yes, this, five million. Five million. All right. Yeah. If the demand is there, people are going to do it. They're going to buy it. If that's the only option they have. Don't, don't go on you. Last of Us 2, right? I'm looking at you <laughs> right now, Last of Us 2. You! <laughs> and I, I agree with you. I've told you this. Yeah. I have the collector's edition pre-ordered. I'm ready to go. But I would have bought a digital copy as well just to right. play the game at launch. Right. Without a doubt. Sure. <laughs> Bert says, wait for it. You can now transfer between memory cards on the Switch in the new yeah. update. 2020 yep. is here, guys. Yep. <laughs> it is here. It's amazing. It's cool. Overall, MBD, I'm very glad to see that all three are doing well yeah. and that continuously throughout this generation specifically, gaming has become cool. Like we were nerds when it's we true. were much younger. But, and gaming has been getting cooler and it had to fight some battles along the way. But the, the value to dollar ratio, the entertainment to, to dollar ratio that gaming can provide is so much more financially feasible than a movie. Like, I don't know if you guys have done any of the movies at home or theater direct to home now. Like, I bought Sonic the Hedgehog for 20 bucks so I could watch it with my wife. It, it was about the cost of going to the theater. 
But if I buy Sonic the Hedgehog the game, I can get hours and hours and hours and hours of entertainment versus two hours. And I think people are waking up to that idea outside of the people that listen to these type of shows and sure. you know jump in. And Animal Crossing is a mass appeal game. Your mama can play Animal Crossing. So can your grandmama. So can your grandbaby. And suddenly, <laughs> you know, you're, you're you're touching a lot of avenues that people didn't realize uh, were, were desperate for entertainment. Yeah, and then you've got Elijah Wood stopping by your island and saying, what's up? Did you guys see that? Sweetest thing in the world, right? That's the celebrity story you want right now. And then Brie, uh, is it Brie Larson? That's her name, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Marvel Girl, she um, she posted this morning, like, let's see your Animal Crossing Island. Marvel Girl, that's what I'm calling her. Super Marvel, whatever the hell it's called. Um, But yeah, she posted too. It's just, it's it's a phenomenon, right? It's just worldwide. Yep. It's also cool. People are realizing that some services are awesome. Game Pass numbers are have skyrocketed from yes. what I've been hearing. Yep. Awesome. Like I'm, I've got hours of entertainment if I need it. It's never the one I want though. Fifty-seven channels, nothing on. But like I have all these games <laughs> to play, and I'm able to. And it's it's good to see that service doing well because it it paves the way for even more. Once we're post-pandemic, years from now, whenever we're, we're recovered from this, theoretically. It's continuing to pave a way for access to more games at a consumer-friendly rate. Yeah, it's a, it's unbelievable. You touched on it, but uh, the market today from where it was been, I was thinking about that the other day too, and and we've talked about it a lot because we're all older gamers. Is Think about like 16-bit era, you spend 50, 60. Super Nintendo games got up to like $80. Spend $80 mm-hmm. on a game. This is back in the early 90s, right? And you would play that. There's no updates, no patches, no multiplayer, no nothing. Um, nowadays... God, the amount of gaming you could do, the amount of time you could spend for eighty dollars, is is unbelievable. I mean, just hundreds, even thousands of hours. It's nuts. All right, um, and then I just wanted to say too that you know a couple of weeks ago we talked about the rumor of um, the four major three D Mario games being re released on the Switch in Mario sixty four, Sunshine Galaxy, and uh, Mario three D World. And that seems definitely true because Best Buy uh, put up the skew last week uh, for Super Mario 3D World on the Switch. So definitely coming, and it's going to shock everyone listening. But it was the price listed was fifty nine ninety nine. Wow! 3D World is one of the best Mario games ever made. Fight Man is sixty bucks. So Luke's a 3D World defender then, because I know that that's like one of those most Mario. 3D games, right, are just beloved across. Right. And I know 3D World was one of those where it's like some people really liked it, some people didn't. I have it for my Wii U, and I've played it, but I didn't get all the way through it. So mm-hmm. you say it's one of the best, huh? I, I I love it. I thought it was special. It's a shame that so many great games were tied down by the Wii U's uh, design, but and I applaud Nintendo for bringing them out. Of course, I just talked about what Nintendo gets away with, and here I am like, you know what? I spent $60 <laughs> for Mario World. Yep, I'm buying that day one. Yeah, so, but I, I really did like that game. I like uh, Super Mario Brothers. You, I was just playing that yesterday on my Switch. Uh, I actually like it more than Odyssey. So, yeah, I'm a defender on that one. And I've never played Sunshine, so you know, I if that's in a bundle, I would I would try that one. Oh, Sunshine's great. It had a different sense of humor um, than the other Mario games, and it, it unique gameplay with the uh, the water pack. It's a it's a really good one. I like Sunshine a lot. Cool, cool. So. All right, so before we just jump over to what we're currently playing, I just wanted to mention this game because it kind of took me off guard yesterday when it was announced and found it really funny. As you guys see this trailer for Minimal Effect, which is a parody on Mass Effect. This is the day we purchased. 
day one. <laughs> so, Luke, if you check check on our site, there's a trailer. There's a game coming out next year called Minimal Effect with an A, Effect. And it's a okay. parody of Mass Effect. So it looks like Shepard. It looks like, you know, um, Rex and, and the guys from Mass Effect. But it's like a cartoon-based, funny, comical game take on Mass Effect. Um, but it just looks hilarious. And it got me thinking... Um, I'm kind of surprised now that I see this, that we haven't seen this more often, you know, that we haven't seen these kind of cartoony lighthearted takes on major IPs like Halo and Gears and um, whatever, you know, I don't think you could really do Last of Us, but you know what I mean? Just other major IPs, you know, because mm -hmm. when I showed it to Dan, like Dan just said, he was like day one, buying it right away. It looks awesome. This is a funny trailer. Yeah, I'm looking at it on Season Gaming's site. <laughs> this is cool. Yeah. It's, 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 it's everything that Andromeda should have been, but wasn't. That's what the whole thing. <laughs> Are you saying Bioware didn't reach expectations on a game? Uh, That's you know, I, 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 in I, the I'm, past I'm ten years of Andromeda. You know, I thought the the gunplay or the, the the fighting mechanics and the combat was really really good. Everything else, not so much. So it was, it was one of those games where it's just like, man. It's one of those I games mean, you could tell just had development issues. Yeah, you, you could. Yeah, you, we should have seen you know, that game that shall not be named coming, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> you just from Andromeda's, you know, Anthem, Andromeda. he's talking about Luke Anthem. Uh, we we uh, rant about Anthem like very saying, often on the yeah, show. It's like saying Vault. Let, let me go ahead and uh, make sure that nobody checks out my show separately from this. <laughs> I really enjoyed a lot of Anthem. So I did really we. So, so did we. We played it a lot. We have a lot of I hours. Of I think I have about 100 hours in that game. And so does that. Flying around, shooting things. I don't. I don't play those games for the loot drops. I don't chase that that as much. I just fly around and feel cool. That's that's yeah, really cool. why I played it. Um, and they nailed that. But but yes, they did. Uh, Trier's Blood, Sweat, and Pixels uh, told a tale about Bioware's Dragon Age Origins, and it's going to be mm -hmm. telling a tale about Anthem. And I think Mass Effect Andromeda will certainly be referenced. They're a mess. They're an absolute mess. It's not just <laughs> engine. It's it's a it's top to bottom. They needed a reorganization. They need a reorganization. And hopefully, EA, uh, as the major publisher, seeing Jedi Fallen Order success with the the Unity engine, I believe, will push them away from the frostbite frustrations because frostbite's gorgeous, but it wasn't designed for what it was doing, and it's been patchworked at this point. Uh, they either need Frostbite 2 or Unity or something to take their games because I want more Anthem gameplay. I really am excited for this potential rebirth of it. Yeah, so is I want to fly around. I just want to. I want to feel like Iron Man. But I bet <laughs> wholeheartedly that you cannot develop a game and say it's going to have Bioware narrative and you're going to have an end game with loot. It's just a, it's a flawed premise, and it was not executed well. But flying was so cool. It was awesome. yeah. The, the gameplay was. Fun as hell. Yeah, yeah we really always was. talk about that. It was it was always, you know, they nailed the, the combat mechanics, the, the flying, everything. The loot system was trash. And <laughs> the story just ended, I think, it just felt rushed the whole the time. The story was really bad. Yeah, it was it really was, how cool was the soundtrack, guys? I listened to that song. <laughs> song. It is. It's really good. On my, yeah. yeah, I love that song so much. Oh, what like immediately. Been? Like if I, if I, you know, just knowing that I can't run through the base, you know, that you're at. And or whatever it's called, it would start with the T. I can't remember. Yeah, I, I Tarsus or something. It. Yeah, and you for Fort Tarsus. Yeah, Fort Tarsus. Could, that's it. Yeah, and you couldn't run really. No, you get to where you need to go. <laughs> you just walk just around. Like, we're gonna make you look at all this stuff as long as possible. I remember. Because I don't know if you remember. Around. I got that one glitch where the the 
one of the bald headed guys you speak to, you had to turn in the mission to him and he turned into like four people and one yeah. of them went through the ground. I have a video of it and uh, you could okay. never turn in the mission. Yep. It, it never worked. Um, yep. It's just those types of issues were unbelievable with that game. But yeah, I, you know, we've talked about it at length. It figures we get talking about Anthem again. Yeah. <laughs> Happens all the time. The I'm glad I'm in good company, though, because I was yeah. like, no one's going to listen to XCP after this. No, no, no we yeah. talk about it quite a bit, actually. It's yeah. funny. Um, so Lunch Bizzle said the same thing about Minimal Effect. He's buying it day one. I'm telling you, man, these games would sell. And Carl, yeah, so it's funny. When when Andromeda came out, I had uh, alpha access to that game. And Season Gaming wasn't as big at the time, but I wrote an article. It's still on the site. I wrote an article titled, I'm Worried About Mass Effect Andromeda, because I'm a huge Mass Effect fan. And I played the alpha, and then like after a couple hours, I was just like, um, "Guys, this is this is not good. <laughs> Something's wrong with this game." And sure enough, you know, I heard from a couple people. Like I said, not a big audience years ago. Heard from a couple people like, "Ah, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. This game's going to be game of the year and incredible." And you know, and well, we see how it launched. So, yeah, shame. Nope. Now I hear I haven't gone back to Andromeda. I actually have it. I think still shrink wrapped. It's on EA Access. I haven't gone back, but I hear that if you play it now. It's not up to the level of the trilogy, but it's it's a good game. It's still okay to play. Yeah, it's it's it's. I, I tried going back to it maybe six months ago, just to see because it got I think uh, it got enhanced. So I was like, okay, this is gonna be awesome, um, but it's pretty much the same thing. So <laughs> it's, I mean, I, they obviously they fixed all those big bugs and stuff like that, but it, it's just, yeah. you know, come on. Yeah, you're not come you're on. not gonna fix the whole development of the story with patches. It's just not gonna. Yeah. it's not gonna work. Yeah. No. All right. So let's talk about games we're actually playing <laughs> nowadays. And I'm really interested on yours, Luke, because uh, I see you typed out here on our script, um, HyperDot. And HyperDot is a game that uh, is made by one guy. It's made by a company called Tribe Games. The, the guy's name is Charles. Um, and I met him at E3 in 2018 because they were uh, showing HyperDot at the place. And we took a video of it. I actually talked to the guy for a while. Super nice guy. And that game is um, one I keep telling people about because it looks, or when I first played it, I kept telling people that it would be an amazing game for like couch co-op, for just, you know, having fun with the family and just, you know, it's just a very fast jump in, jump out type of fun game. So really cool to see that on your list. Um, mm -hmm. So if, if you want to touch on that, awesome. And, and what else you've been up to? Yeah, no problem. So I, I had a very similar experience with you meeting Charles uh, in 2019. Uh, okay. Over at uh, Xbox Fan Fest, uh, we had, oh, I was nice. fortunate yeah. enough to be invited. Wait, you were in Fan Fest last year? Yeah, man. Yes. <laughs> Me, Bird, and I were there too. I didn't even know you at the time. Yeah, yeah. It's it was it was a pure honor to be invited. We were guests of Xbox Canada because my co-host nice. at the time for a different show it was Canadian. Um, okay. But it was a pleasure to be introduced to to Hyperdot there, and then uh, we were excited. We loved it. We played it, and. When the game came out, it it hit at a wonderful time, I think. And it's available on Game Pass next week. So any listeners in chat, you'll be able to try it out uh, and play the full game. And they've also got some stuff coming for, for added content as well. But it's beautiful and it's simplistic. It's a minimalistic art style. And you simply need to have your dot uh, in, in an area and avoid getting hit. And it's very relaxing on some levels and it's beautiful and it's serene and it can be very hectic on others. Okay. And it's, it's a quiet game uh, in the best way I feel. And so when it hits game pass, everyone should, should be playing this game and, and trying it out because it's, it's just beautiful. It's a, 
a wonderful cathartic mind trip and then you'll rage other, at other moments too but it, uh, to that point it reminds me of a lot what was uh, geometry wars the original geometry yeah. wars that launched with 360 at the time um mm-hmm. god dang that was a long time ago now 15 years wow yeah. um but yeah it reminded me quite a bit of that game you know how it can just be just because the music just sucks you in and you just kind of get into mindset and while playing it it's just a lot of fun yeah, it's it's rhythmic in a, in a wonderful yeah. way. I'm I really dig that. Uh, I also have been playing uh, Yakuza Zero. That oh, is, you're in dance camp now. He's the Yakuza guy. Maybe. Well, <laughs> the thing is, I never played a Yakuza game, and them arriving into Game Pass is exposing me to a new a new genre. In my mind, I was hoping it would be Sleeping Dogs, probably because it's open world GTA esque, and it's it's set in Japan. So I was like, oh, cool. Um, <laughs> It's not. It's not that at all. It's a very Sega-esque uh, approach to it. But I'm enjoying it. I was burned because it doesn't autosave. And so last night I played some replay some stuff. But it's a good lesson learned. I'm enjoying that, that franchise. And I love to see Microsoft bringing in more uh, uh, previously exclusive games to the service. Uh, and then Halo Wars 2 is a game I've put over 500 hours into. To play Jesus. It's, it's, a, it's a turn off your brain, listen to a podcast, watch a show on your tablet type game to just play. And uh, online, again, in, with my buddies, I have some good friends of mine. Mr. Babbitt hosts a, a PlayStation show and he's been playing with my friends nice. and I. Um, just to, to play games that will sync time well and take away uh, some of the many hours that we have at home now have been great. Uh, so Halo Wars 2 is an underrated strategy game for consoles that yes, I always encourage you to at the very least, guys, real talk, go watch the cutscenes on YouTube in 4K. Blow your mind impressive. They're made by Blur. Yeah, um, they're incredible. It, it, yeah, it, it's nuts. So those are the games that I've been diving into. I just did a replay of Arkham Origins as well. And I mean, oh, I got nice. a lot of time on my hands. I don't have kids at the house, so <laughs> I'm playing games. There you go. So yeah. remind me, um, I've got two amazing Halo Wars 2 prints that they did when the game launched. Um actually on the sides of my wall right on my home theater i'll have to send you a picture of them because they're awesome they did them like in the style of rogue one star wars but mm-hmm. it's the uh covenant side and the unsc side I... you have the same one i have that same one yeah it's on my, i think with, with atriox in the middle um i think so that one's over there i can't see it <laughs> yeah i can i can really see mine but uh for a long time i'm a huge halo fan i read, I read all the novels and stuff oh yeah uh, I I had uh, the Halo. I gotta keep break. getting more Halo fans on here because then we can slowly turn Dan to the light side. It will never ever happen. <laughs> the, I would hope uh, that Infinite does enough to bring new people in. It has the God of War moment. Has enough elements to it. I won't turn your conversation into Halo. I promise. But <laughs> I don't want. They can bring it back to to bringing the common fan in because because it no longer is. It's the people that like Halo that like Halo right now. Not. Oh, you know what? I'll try that. They don't have that, that element right now, and so here's hoping they're able to to make that happen because I Agreed. it's a glorious universe that's been done well and done poorly, and um, I, th- I think it, it deserves more attention uh, if if Infinite delivers. I could not agree more, and I'm hoping that with um, good messaging, a new console, and Game Pass being the biggest factor, that mm-hmm. we see exactly that this fall. Um, assuming mm-hmm. Halo Infinite still launches this fall, we'll see. True. Sure. Um, <clears throat> very cool, though. So, Dan, what have you been up to, man? I know um, <laughs> we. I don't know if you were going to talk about it, but I was going to talk a little, bit, a little bit about Fallout 76 just for a yeah. laugh. Um, yeah. I have been playing it, but um, you said you've also been playing Final Fantasy more, right? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, 
I'm getting pretty close to the end, I think. I'm pretty sure. It's been uh, – it's been I, – I haven't – I wasn't expecting it because um, I don't remember anything from when I first played it back on the uh, PlayStation. So it, 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 you start getting these moments. It's just like, oh, yeah, I remember that now. Oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and the nostalgia isn't that, like, strong, but, like, it's just really well done. It's a mm. gorgeous game. The combat is – really smooth and intuitive um take away anything you know the fact that you know it's final fantasy is probably gonna you know if you're not a fan of it you're, you're probably thinking oh it's just not for me but it's it's if you took that out and just made it something else and just named it like hey generic fighting game or something like that and people would be like oh let's see what this is like and it's really 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 good it's like a little bit of dragon age inquisition combat but also devil may cry combat Okay. Um, it's like a mix of real time and turn based, right. right? Yeah, it's yeah. just yeah, it's it's mostly, you know, just like hack and slash, but there's also strategy that you really have to involve into it, you know, with your other characters. Um I die a lot. Um so which is fine if if it's if it's not to the point where it's like ridiculously dark souls hard, uh, which <laughs> it's not. Um there are some definitely some pretty big bosses. It's got some very uh Heavy, you know, it's it's a Japanese game. I'll just say that it's you know some of the I've some of some the clip. yeah some of the the dialogue is a little bit cringy and a little bit. Um, well, it's, it's funny you mention that because the uh, I've mentioned RKG, those guys I support, um, and uh, Gav from RKG was talking about Final Fantasy VII. And he was very complimentary, like you are, right? Uh, beautiful graphics, gameplay is awesome, great nostalgia trip, everything about it. And then he started talking about the writing and the dialogue, and he's like, "This is like." horrible he yeah goes, well, it, some, it's some like points they, are really really poor yeah it, it, it is and then they're the it's like they took you know because when you translate i'm assuming if it's like any language that you have to kind of you know make it fit the new language you're putting it into kind of you know where, where it's not like just ridiculous and sounds completely strange um, <laughs> but it, it's just they didn't they just kind of just went straight over and like it's got that, you know, ah, you know, kind of laughing, you know, yeah. <laughs> or the, 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 the uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Too. You get that See, lot. some people love, some people like that, though. Right, yeah, and that's fine. See, I don't. That's why. Yeah. No, no, that, and that's, that's just a tiny part of the game, though. I yeah. mean, really, it's, 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 I'm glad I picked it up. I wasn't going to, and now I'm really, really happy with it. It's, it's probably been, I mean, it's probably one of the best games I played this year. Um, nice. I want to see what, how long the next one's going to be? Uh, Did you already finish it? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, oh, okay. I'm, I'm pretty close. I think. I think I'm getting towards the end of it. Um, gotcha. But you know, I, I start remembering stuff. You know, like oh, hey, there was this guy that was in it. I haven't seen him yet. It's probably all going to be in the second game at this point. Okay. Um, but short of that, I've been playing Mad Max still. I just, you know, it's one of those games where I'm just kind of like that's my game right now where I play everything and then I come back to Mad Max and just kind of put a little bit into it. A little bit of really, Yeah, just it's really, really fun. And it's really, really, you know, it's nothing crazy. It's nothing that's going to blow your mind, but it's, you know, pretty well done. And the guy who plays Mad Max uh, is a hundred times better than Tom Hardy. Stop it. We're moving on. Right now. Um, and then I'm it's, also- <laughs> Dan, it's cool to have that. I, I have found that when I released myself from worrying about, is this game a 10? Right. I had so much more fun with so video much. games. I yeah. I love the Darksiders franchise. 
Uh, Genesis right. is incredible, but the others are, are like sevens. And I, Mac Max is a seven as well. Yep. And you have so much fun when you just let yourself enjoy something for what it is. So I know exactly the vibe that you're talking about there. And that's cool to hear. Yeah, I, I, we, I think, <clears throat> trying to figure out a way to say this. Sorry, Dan. But no, I want to say I agree 100%. I think way too many people get caught up on ratings and are people liking this game? Oh, these people said this game's not good, so it can't be good and I'm not going to play it. And it's just oh, no. super immature you know yeah. just mm-hmm. try a game give it a chance even games that are mediocre still have enjoyable elements um Absolutely. and i'd rather play a mediocre game that's something i enjoy whether it's a genre or design right over exactly. a like i'll enjoy a mediocre arpg like we were playing chaos bane right that, yeah. that's a mediocre arpg i will get more enjoyment out of that than i would the final fantasy 7 remake because i don't like that game even it being triple a and a 90 metacritic right Right. The, the joke that my friends and I have is I'd rather be swimming in sevens than have a 10 every six months. And, <laughs> and that's, that's the reality. Like Last of Us 2 is going to be an incredible masterpiece. You know, I played Last of Us 1 one time. Broke my heart. Was not fun. It is incredible. I, I was in awe of how great it was. Dude, that wasn't fun, though. It was, I was miserable because the narrative <laughs> is like you're supposed to be, right? Yeah. Um, and I would much rather play State of Decay where, you know, it's in this apocalyptic world, but I'm having a great time looting things and I'm fighting. I feel like I can win. And so I would rather swim in sevens on a regular basis than have <laughs> one ten every few months. That's just, just my gaming style. And it's funny you say that because I uh, constantly preach out about multiplayer, right? Like um, we talk about Last of Us, even Bioshock 1. I've played both of those games, two of my favorite games of all time. I've played them both multiple times all the way through, Last of Us and Bioshock 1. Um but you could add up all the hours I've put into those two games. You'd probably get 150 hours, right? I've played Halo 5 for 600 hours. You know, I just get more enjoyment, more time, more fun with my friends in a game like that. Even though Metacritic, whatever, you know, it may not be as high. And I think that's yeah. true of a lot of games. So I think now, we have, we have like a, sorry, you know, we have six women sevens. That's what you need to do between these tens, right? So it's like, hey, I got this 10 over here. Okay, and I got to swim. Sevens. <laughs> it's in my next ten. That's where I'm heading in that direction. But you're right. Yeah. I mean, Mad Max is is it knows what it is. It doesn't try to be anything that it's not. You know, right. it doesn't come out and it's like we're gonna why you with this. Nope, we're gonna make it playable and enjoyable. Yep. And you know that's it. And it and was, it was true to Mad Max. Yeah. Yep. Hundred percent. So. Uh, before, give me one second, Dan. Yep. Uh, Luke asked a question about the Skywalker saga, the Lego game mm. in Chad. And that's one that um, we actually got the closed door. Bert and I did, got the closed door demo, spoke to the uh, producer of the game at E3. There's actually a video on our channel, us talking about that game. Um, but sadly, I think that's going to be one of, it's going to surprise people in that game. And I talk about that in the video if you want to check that out. But I don't really have any information since then. Um, it was supposed to be out sometime this summer, is what the producer told us last year. Um, but I haven't heard anything about that game. So it, it is kind of weird that we haven't seen or heard anything of that game lately. Do you um, think you see that in like the May event that we're mis- that we might possibly get from from Microsoft because it was on their stage in 2019? Do you think we see true. that as one of the games? I would like to see it. Um, like I said, I think people who really enjoy the Lego games, are going to be blown away by this because it, it's a different 
they're doing it differently than the past games. It's not like these set little pieces, right? It's an actual open world, like RPG type game that has all nine of the movies, the entire saga. Um, and you can fly between worlds and it's just super, super impressive. When I, we got into the, the, the back door backstage demo, whatever of it. And it was just something we were going to do. I think we were like on our way to lunch and it was like, Oh, we can step in here real quick. Right. And it was like 10 minutes long. And afterwards, Bert and I both were like, wow, that was really, really impressive. Like I didn't expect it to be that impressive. So that could be of course, why it's taking longer to develop. Um, but yeah, I, I would, I would hope that we do see it at one of these reveal events by June, May or June. So nice. anyway, Dan, go ahead. Oh, no, I would never imagine I've started a new God of War playthrough because it's awesome. And I watched <laughs> Finding uh, Kratos on YouTube and I was like, I got to go back and start another. I, I actually, I, I just jumped back into my, uh, my new game plus. So I'm kind of working my way through that. That's another one of those just kind of, you know, when I have time to play it. And then we, we played that Fallout 76, which might be the last time I play it. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> Damn it. You got me to play it. You can't bail well, on me. I, I, I feel bad for <laughs> reasons. One, I got you into it. Two, I spent $15 in, in Xbox credit <laughs> that I could have gave to a charity, now that I see that, on the 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 first, whatever the heck their season pass thing is. Um or their monthly subscription, which is canceled immediately. Um, I, I think there's there's something to it. I think they're on the right track, but <laughs> I'd say that, you know, however long this game's been out, they're getting there, you know, and there, there's some fun stuff in it. It's just, it's so all over the place. It's it is. So yeah. That engine is so outdated. It's, so um, it's hard to believe that they're still building games in that. And, uh, it's got it's still got glitches, still got hiccups because uh, I've been playing it and I played it a couple times past few days. But the weird thing is, I'm starting to have a little fun with it. Oh. I actually, as a joke, if I didn't have the new Big Cash shirt, I actually was going to come on today with my Fallout 76 shirt and my Fallout hoodie oh, um, and have like the bobbleheads behind me just as a joke. Um, by yeah. the way, I got all those things free, so I did not spend money yeah, on it. <laughs> but. Um, the, the one thing I can say about it is, well, they've improved it greatly since launch. That's a given, yeah, right? But sure. the one thing I think that's really impressive about it is, and I talk about this with Red Dead when we talk about it, is escapism. If you just want to go into a game and take your mind, just go into a different world, right? It's a huge play space. You can want go anywhere you want, and you never know what you're going to find. Um, and there's always been something about those types of games that appeal to me. Just being able to just wander. You know, yesterday I... I was going somewhere and there was like a level four enemy and then 20 feet behind him, there's a level 37 and I'm a six or a seven, right? right. And it's like, well, I can't fight that guy. So I better start running this direction. Um, but then you can sneak around and you just, you never know what you're going to find. And I think that's really fun. Um, at oh, least to true. a degree, you know, as long as the mechanics, even the combat is poor. You know, if you're not using the VAT system, the actual movement and shooting is so poor. Outer Worlds did it far better. Oh yeah, they did. Uh, yeah, and it's a much smaller studio, so it's baffling to me how they uh, managed to to do such a poor job on this one. <laughs> you got to try to be that bad. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Bioware and Bethesda were working together, and they just, you know, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No. I'm. You know, I could talk about World of Tanks. Constantly playing that. Still, I'm. 
still addicted. I think that's going to be for months, so I'll stop bringing that up. But uh, Fallout 76 has been about uh, the only other new thing I'm playing. I still play a lot of Smite. I don't know if any of this community actually plays Smite or not. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's a MOBA with the, the gods, and they just continually update it. There's always new gods, always new things going on, and it's fun. So I constantly put, uh, constantly put uh, time into that, but that's about it. So, all right, guys, I think uh, that's going to wrap us up for today. So, Luke, man, I uh, absolute pleasure having you on. Seriously, it's been a lot of fun finally getting to speak to you face-to-face or camera-to-camera because um, I know we've been chatting for a while. Big congratulations on the success of Expansion Pass, man. Um, everyone, I think, here probably knows you, uh, you know, who's watching or listening. But if you are listening and watching and you don't know Luke, uh, Insipid Ghost on Twitter, Xbox Expansion Pass podcast. It's weekly. Make sure you look it up. It's excellent. Luke, um, go ahead and uh, shout out whatever you'd like to shout out, man. Oh, well, I mean, you said it, man. The expansion, Xbox Expansion Pass, I'm very proud of. Uh, and it, it's growing in, I think, the right ways organically with the right people. I get to talk to a number of amazing people throughout the industry. Uh, I've had guests like Steve Spawn from Able Gamers on, uh, yes. Steve Philby from Motion Twin Games uh, was recently on the show to talk about Dead Cells and how they were successful and where they failed. Uh, I just spoke with Mike Bithel, the creator of Thomas Was Alone, uh, a few days ago. That'll be on this upcoming uh, episode to talk about how, how he's finding success in, in multi-branding and where Game Pass slots in there uh, and then interestingly also i'm talking to gamers outreach uh, late ne- next week uh, and they provide games for for young people in hospitals which is all the more important right now they bring console systems into hospitals for kids uh, so i'll be talking with them about how uh, covid19 has affected them and what it is they do uh, prior to that uh, we actually have been chatting since pre-virus just to, to talk <laughs> about what we would have them on the show and so it's been interesting it's been a change of, of schedule for them a number of times due to that. And so I'm really uh, hoping people will check out the show because it would mean the world to me and uh, stick around if you enjoy it for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, good to hear about that too. And funny enough, um, you know, we launched our merch store a few weeks ago and uh, we're donating those uh, 50% of the revenue to Special Effect and um, Able Gamers, which Steve Spohn is, you know, uh, this I think he's the COO or CFO of. So I've spoken to him as well. Really good guy. Um, funny enough, I spoke to Gamers Outreach prior to us launching as well. So that's that's just awesome. I love cool. the gaming charities are really something special to me. I think they do yeah. a lot of good work and the gaming community. I love seeing it come together like that for positive ways. So I preach about that a lot and I will continue to. But um, no, awesome having you on, Luke. Really Thank appreciate you, it. And we'll yeah, have man. to do it again in the future. Yeah, for sure. Nice Absolutely. to meet you, man. Likewise, man. Likewise. I'm with my people. Anthem. <laughs> <laughs> you found the other two. Wait, so yeah, hey, hey let's, let, let's let's do this then. When when 2.0 launches, if it ever launches, and if it's actually worth playing, let's the three of us come back together and we'll do an Anthem 2.0 podcast specific. Yeah. On the record, absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yeah, we'll do that. That'll be fun. Dan, anything you want to shout out before we head out? I'm good, man. All right. I'm good. Fun as always, chat, man. Thanks for joining. Thanks for watching. Super appreciative, as you know. Um, Really love seeing this uh, kind of grow in the live show, and I think we're uh, we're getting a little better at it. I think we've, we're we're trying our best here, <laughs> but uh, no, really appreciate you guys uh, stopping by. And as always, we'll see you uh, next Saturday. And if there's anything you want us to talk about ahead of time, uh, realize obviously you can reach out to us on Twitter, of course, but uh, you can also email us at bitcast at season gaming if you want us to read out a question or anything you think you know for the show. So we'll see you next week. Talk to you then. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>